When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hail Cheaters, welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name's Josh, I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh. Uh, despite FPL implications, I have to say I enjoyed football this weekend, both on the screen and uh, and in real life. Now, I'm in an Airbnb uh, in Harlem, Josh, and right mm-hmm. outside my window is the Thomas Jefferson football field okay. uh, or soccer field in American parlance. Now, you know, Thomas Jefferson is really famous for his love of, of the beautiful game. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's <laughs> but uh, all, all Sunday morning, these, these kids' leagues were going on. So I was, watching, um, I was watching Newcastle Spurs while 10-year-olds were going to battle. And I witnessed the most amazing penalty uh, kick I had seen in a long time. Uh, I missed the actual penalty, but I saw the referee brandishing a red card and he was making this motion. He was making this motion like the sweeping elbow, like maybe Mm -hmm. some kid threw up an elbow. He had to leave the pitch. There was a penalty kick. The opposing team stood behind the kid taking the penalty kick and they all took their shirts up over their heads, you know, like uh, like like Beavis and uh, Beavis and Butthead, like Cornholio <laughs> yeah. style. And they're all hooting and hollering. And wow. the uh, kid uh, just hoofs the ball over the goal. And the opposing team just started running around screaming and celebrating. Wow. I loved it. And I want to bring, I want to bring some of that energy into the premier league. Wow. I want more, I want more Cornholio uh, yeah. happening in the premier league. I feel like you buried the lead, though. You enjoyed the football this weekend. That, that to me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, I can't, you know, I have been accused of being too negative. So uh, this is yeah. something that I, I, I'm not going to be too negative. I mean, my, you know, did I take my team? Did I put both hands on the throat of my FPL team and choke the life out of it the last few weeks? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> Am I going to talk about that in the pod? Not really. I'm going to just kind of uh, focus. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to focus on what's what's in front of me. Uh, I enjoyed Mo Salah's brilliance, and I think that was the last thing I liked the entire weekend. I didn't really enjoy any of the other eight matches. I guess we've got one more to go tomorrow. So tomorrow's match, there's a lot of pressure on it to bookend game week eight, right? We need a... Uh, yeah. A Ben White masterclass, uh, you know, a couple couple goals. Ben White, Sokka. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We both have Ben White. I'm looking at Sokka to get me a few points. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it was it was an odd FPL against FPL convention, right? Because we, we always say, oh, the first kickoff of the game week, don't bet on that kickoff because it could ruin the rest of your game week. Well, in game week eight, we had the perfect opener yep. with a heavy solid captaincy. He delivered in spades. Anyone who had Liverpool defense, they had the clean sheet. 
and everything was looking good. And then um, it was complete chaos after that. And I think what I enjoyed uh, was the chaos. And I think it was just an incredible week for narrative, good and bad. I mean, yeah. for for those who are who are looking to suck the blood out of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they sort of <laughs> that's true. They, they got that what true. they wanted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, heavy pep roulette uh, for uh-huh. for us to uh, sort of like yeah. uh, figure out. Oh and, yeah, oh, you got the late the late Diaz and the late um, James subs. You got two Reese James. You got two. Like, I don't know when Diaz came out. It was like the 87th minute, I feel like. And James was the 89th, I believe. Yeah. So just and to really kick everybody in the shins one last time. Yeah, I have a message to our friend Jeff, who I, I saw him on Twitter say, uh, if if any of you bench Livramento, you don't deserve to get his points off of the bench. And now, listen, Jeff, I'm looking at my squad <laughs> and I've started like some some terrific defensive talent here right, in a Man right. City double up and Trent Alexander Arnold. You know, I it, it, people the people who have benched Livramento, many of them bench them just because we have we're spoiled for lots of great defensive options. So, yeah, yeah because of that Diaz cameo, I'm not getting Livramento off the bench and that, that stings a little bit. But you'd say on the grand scheme of things, that's five points. And right sure. now I'm sitting on 56 points before that uh, Arsenal Crystal Palace match. And the game week average is 43. So um, while 56 for me is just like right bang on to my safety score, uh, like moved up 3,000 spaces, uh, 3,000 places, I guess my live rank is around 188K right now. Uh, it's it's yet another stabilizing game week. We're all just kind of like stuck uh, with our with our uh, scores, our ranks right now. Well, I Not think me, it's- Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> free falling every week. I mean, I know that I'm only like a hundred and I think I'm like 102 K. So I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, um, my season is, is down the tank, but I, yeah, I, but I it's, it's relative, it's, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it'll be four, four red arrows in a row. So it feels, it feels that way for sure. I, I just think that where we are right now, finishing up game week eight has just been totally skewed by game weeks one and two, which were so heavy, heavy scoring, high flying. We did so well. And I mean, I, I wouldn't have expected this sort of stabilizing period to last as long as it had. Um, but I, I just think that's kind of where we are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a weird stretch of, of matches. And I, I don't know why it feels like the international breaks have broken things up so much more than usual this year. Maybe, maybe because we had kind of the drama with with players coming back and and that has affected rotation, I think pretty significantly, right? I mean, uh, Rula Jimenez, another highly owned player who didn't start this week. Diaz, I assume that Diaz didn't start because of international break fatigue as well. Um, I don't yeah. know if Pepe actually came out and said that, but I'm sure that's that's the reason why. Um, you know, Rafinha didn't play at all. Um, so, it, you know, I think that did have kind of a like cascading effect where you, you just ended up having to start, you know, I ended up getting one point from Marcel off my bench, right? Who, yeah. You know, the great swan song from him. He will never be in my fantasy team as long as I live. <laughs> Uh, after right. this game week is over. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, like you said, it's, um, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, but there are, there are, there are bad, there are weeks when it's really, when you really don't want to have a game week because the range of outcomes is, you know, 50 points to 90 points or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very wide sweep. And then there are game weeks where you can have a bad one and it just, it just kind of hurts because it's annoying, uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really 
like just you know it doesn't really make you like question your um why you play the game or whatever and i <laughs> sure. i feel like that's that's sort of where i am right now i think that the issue that i'm having i don't know if other people listening are having this as well but i feel like i haven't had a player score or assist in my team who is ownership is lower than like 40 eight percent you know or whatever like effective so it's like all the goals all all the good things that happen are sort of like widely shared by everybody and all of my low ownership players have just blanked for four weeks in a row and i think Mm -hmm. that's and you know whatever like i mean you know cry me a river it's fine but like it's just sort of like it does kind of like start to drain you a little bit you know and i feel like for me and i've talked about this i talked about this a couple weeks ago on the pod but i talked about right at the very end of the pod so I'll, i'll just pull i'll pull it up here um which is that I feel like I'm now having like a confidence issue a little bit where I'm mm-hmm. sort of because it's it's been kind of this bad run. And I feel like I've been like sort of debating a lot of different options and kind of feel like and make, and I actually think this week I made what, what I think is the right choice, which is I just didn't burn a transfer at all because I was like, I need two transfers. I might need to make three transfers this week yeah. just to kind of reset things a little bit. And I did not want to burn a transfer with incomplete knowledge, which you kind of almost always have going, going, coming out of the international break. And so, you know, I think for me, I, and you know, it's, as you probably know from our running order here, Brandon, I mean, I'm going back to like data tables, like, you know, just, I I, like, (laughs) yeah, looking at stats again, because I, and this is like a a real, um, I have a problem that I, I just, apparently I just can't avoid it, which is that, um, if I have a really good season, it is very hard for me to, to kind of keep that momentum going like the next season. It's like a kind of, it's like some mental part of me is like, I don't need to do all the things that I did, you know, the last season to sort of do well. It's like, I just like, I can trust my instincts, you know, go with my gut. And that's sort of like enough, but it really, it's like, it's like you forget that like you did all this work. You looked at all the data tables, you, you know, it's like you sort of, you, you were thoughtful. You're maybe a little more conservative than you wanted to be. Like you did all of these things and you just yeah. kind of forget them. And all you forget are like the really good, smart moves that you did that season, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so you're like, that's, man, I'm just gonna do that every week. So I've been taking these like massive risks the last few weeks. And, you know, it's like, this is like sort of the, the peril of, of, of taking big risks is that they're not guaranteed to come across. Right. And like, you know, I think that we've, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like we we were going to talk obviously about Lukaku and Ronaldo uh, a little bit, a little bit later in the pod. It's, I don't want to jump the gun on that, on that conversation too much, but I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, if you told me that like Lukaku and Ronaldo were going to blank their last three matches, I just, I would never have believed it. Right. I just never would have, you know, thought that was going to happen. And yeah, Kind of it shocking. seems it just seems so improbable. And for it to yeah. continue, there is something so inevitable, it feels, about either of them yeah. scoring regardless of the opposition. I'm not going to yeah. use that implied phrase of uh, involving fixtures. But I, yeah, I, I, I did think uh, Tuchel had some interesting comments about Lukaku's performance, uh, which we can talk to when we do get to that striker yeah. conversation. Well, what, what you, I'd be curious to hear them now. If you want to pull them yeah, up. Yeah, so uh, after after the Brentford match, Tuchel was asked, you know, what's going on with Lukaku's form, and it seems like they're having trouble, you know, getting him in the ball in positions where he can score. And Tuchel admitted for the Brentford match that he played a low block, and there was too much space between Werner and Lukaku and the rest of the team. He basically played eight defenders and copped to that. And uh, he then expressed that he believed that he uh, 
he thinks Lukaku is too unselfish right now. He's in an unselfish mode. So it mm. seems like he's keenly aware of everything that we're also seeing on the pitch. And right. he seems also aware that Lukaku needs to score some goals, which uh, will make for an interesting discussion as we talk about that Norwich-Chelsea yeah. fixture in game week nine. Totally. And yeah, that that we will wait to talk about because I think there's there's multiple times when we need to t- have that conversation, uh, both in our next sec- in our fill in the blank section coming up here. Where we're basically going to ask ourselves some big questions, uh, you know, such as like who actually is the best forward to own in fantasy, uh, the over 10 million player we all we're all going to have in the next few weeks and, and so on. We're going to sort of fill in the blanks and, and answer those questions. But I think. It's, I mean, you said this on the pod two weeks ago, which is that, uh, you know, you feel like Tuka plays with 10 defenders in Lukaku. And that has sort of r- like ringed through my head the last, uh-huh. uh, the last couple of game weeks. And I, I mean, I really felt it, uh, and you know, I mean, it, it, I hadn't heard his comments, which I think is really interesting. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, Werner is not a midfielder, right? And so you basically had Werner doing, I don't even know what he was doing. I mean, he missed a giant chance that Lukaku would have picked up an assist for, um, early on. I mean, he just, he just. I don't know. I mean, like, he's not my favorite player. That's like the most generous thing that I will say. (laughs) Uh, I mean, and so you have this sort of, yeah, so you have, it's like the manager is sort of a little bit at fault, I think, in both cases. I mean, Lukaku has scored offside goals in both the last two matches, right? Rudiger, um, he almost scored a goal from Rudiger assist the game week before, and then he's, another goal, another really nice counterattacking goal uh, was was marked offside. on uh on saturday as well in which it looks like the brentford defender actually uh purposefully pushed lukaku like at the perfect moment oh really sort of like push him over the defensive line i had had looked at the uh, forensic uh, yeah i I probably didn't want to i didn't have like that i was like too too, like when he finally scored it was like a little back heel i think and i was like oh great okay it's like finally i feel like you're relieved about this minus eight i took a couple weeks ago it's finally gonna pay off but uh, with, with him and his bench, but yeah, it just, uh, a weird, and then Ben Chilwell scoring twice, which is just kind of a, you know, I'll talk about him later too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, so you have the Tuchel problem. And then I think with Ronaldo, you have the, um, you have the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer problem, right? Which is that, um, I mean, this, this may, I mean, just the, the, and again, this is a fantasy pod, not a, um, we're not a general interest pod. And so I try to keep to our, our principles, a little bit too, and not get kind of too, you know, over our skis or whatever, but like, you know, it just, it's hard, like, it's hard to see the scrappy man United team of those first three weeks, right? Just these, mm-hmm. like all these Mason Greenwood goals and just sort of Bruno running the show. And there was just, it was, they were pretty likable. I actually yeah. genuinely enjoyed watching that team play that version of it. And Ronaldo, it, it's kind of wrecked it. And I don't really blame him because they bought him, like they brought yeah. him in. Right. And like, but they, it's like, it, it feels like it was, he was brought in for marketing, right? And oh, yeah. it's sort of no one knows what to do with him on the pitch. And it's like nothing seems to work anymore. And you have Mason Greenwood who scored a great goal this week. But, you know, it's like he's he's trying that goal that he scored like seven times a match now, right? Because he's like, yeah. this is my only chance. I have to shoot it from outside the box every time I get it because otherwise I'm not going to have any chance to score. Yeah. You know, there was a late moment or I think it was – uh, I, I think it was Juan Basaka, uh, you know, did a, a hit across to Ronaldo. Ronaldo stumbles over his own two feet a little bit, gets ahead of the ball and misses the chance and then immediately shoots a glare yeah. over at Juan Basaka. And it's just like the, like the, it, the negativity. It's like, this is not his team really. I mean, you know, it's like, it's not, he hasn't done anything with this current version of Man United. And so it was just, and I don't dislike Ronaldo. I mean, I really don't, you know, but it's just sort of, it's, it doesn't feel like it's working. And, um, 
Uh, but you know, in, in both cases, they're both underperforming their XG. I mean, it's not like they're, um, I mean, they should be, they should have more goals than they do. Right. And just, you know, a couple of chances, both, both players could easily have scored this weekend and the narrative would be completely different. Um, and it wouldn't have been very hard for either one of them to score a goal. I mean, the Mason Greenwood set up uh, Ronaldo for a good chance in the, the first half of that match too. I mean, I actually kind of want to keep Ronaldo honestly for the next couple of weeks. And I, I don't know that I can, because he's honestly just too expensive and the money that you get from downgrading him to someone like Jimenez just is like team changing levels. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like you can upgrade five spots with all the extra money from, from moving yeah. him down to, you know, to Jimenez. Yeah. I mean, my, my premium story from game week eight is actually the story of Edward Mendy. And I was questioning my decision to bring Mendy in on wildcard. And it did allow me to sidestep the whole intrigue over which Chelsea defenders are actually going to start in game week eight. And yep. then, uh, you know, Sanchez at Brighton walks away with six points and hilariously just two saves per usual. And yep, the, those extra three points, Mendy on a nine pointer, I think really is what um, stepped my game week eight into the realm of what I'm, I'm happy with. So I, I, I feel like this premium keeper discussion, some people don't want to have it, but it it feels like it's going to keep creeping into conversations uh, for this whole season. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of softening in my stance as well. I mean, just the, the absolute mess of the situation with Chelsea. I mean, with Rudiger now too. And I mean, I, I have two transfers. I can't imagine I would, I would use those transfers until Friday at, you know, an yeah. hour or so before the deadline, because I, I, I mean, who knows? Like, there's nine million unanswered questions right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're hopefully going to answer some of those um, in this week's pod. But I, you know, certain things like injuries are just, you know, will Bamford be ready to play? Will Rudiger be ready to play? I mean, these, these are questions we just can't answer um, on Sunday yeah. night. But anyway, uh, speaking of other, speaking of, there's no transition. I'm just going to move on to the always cheating Super League, Brandon. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm going to read out the top ten here. In 10th, James Parker. In 9th, David Shavaria. In 8th, Nathan Carr. In 7th, Aiden Bourne. In 6th, Ryan Quinn. Back into the top 10, Ryan. In 5th, Ryan Mackey. In 4th, Ruha Shane Kingan. In 3rd is Ferris Algishi. In 2nd is Bakari Kandawa. And in 1st is Daniel Mason Abraham. A new new addition, Brandon, to the OSG and Super League. Welcome, Daniel. Daniel. Mason Abraham. So... Thank you to uh, everybody who participates in the OSG and Super League. And uh, if you want to thank us, uh, again, week, another week transition, Brandon. I'm just going to keep these bad ones going. <laughs> um, you can go to patreon.com slash always cheating. You get an extra podcast each week. Uh, you can access that or you can participate, any any sign up at any level, you get access yeah. to the Dean's List Manager of the Month Award. Uh, we still have two game weeks to go in that. Every month we give away a free Always Cheating Make Fantasy Fun Again t-shirt. Uh, you can talk all week on the Slack. I made a personal, and I, I, you know, I think I took like 24 hours off of Twitter and uh, Smart. I was like, it was great and I loved it. And I was like, I'm going to try to take some of the energy and channel it into, uh, not that I'm like done with Twitter or whatever, but just like, like <laughs> just like, it was like a, it was a high, it was, a, it was a lot of negativity. It was a weird mix of negativity and bragginess, Brandon. And I, I needed to get away from all of that, you know, for, for a little, you know, I feel like our Slack is a little more um, like 
it's it's more personal because people know all of your weak spots, right? Uh-huh. And like everyone, uh, a lot of people there have known each other for a few years now, so there's like yeah. an element of like, uh, they, uh they, everyone on that on the Slack really knows how to get me, you know, which is yeah. uh, which is fair <laughs> enough. Um, but at least you feel like you're watching it with friends. So I think that's really what uh, I like about the Slack chat. So if you want more of that in your life, go to Patreon.com/slash/AlwaysCheating. Uh, quick thank you to our newest patrons: to Robert Bakken, DJ the DJ, Adam Dickerson, Kyle Turnbull, and Root Hamilton. Josh, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer some questions. I like the way you've set up the, uh, our theme here, Josh. We're basically going to play a game, an FPL <laughs> game of fill right. in the blank. And so all yeah. of these big questions that we're sort of dancing around, uh, looking ahead to game weeks nine and beyond, we're going to take those questions and fill in those blanks as best we can. So, Josh, looking forward to that right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Brian, we're back. This is fill in the blank. FPL talk. And I, it was funny when I, I put the the title together for this pod, it almost sounded like it was like a placeholder until I could figure out <laughs> what I was going to do. No, this is, uh, this is your yeah. homage to great Manchester United defender, Phil Jones. So it's a, it's a <laughs> bit of a, pun, it's a bit, a bit of a pun, right? <laughs> Phil, Phil Jones Phil in, the, in blank. the blank. I think I didn't I hear he's finally going to move on to another club or I think he, he he's like, he finally wants out. I think he, he, he's, he's folded one too many kits from the, uh, from the washer dryer. Uh, and he finally realized it's time for him to move on and <laughs> do something long, different. How long is he been there for? Like he's been there for like more than 10 years, right? It's, but yeah, it must be. I mean, it's, it's yeah. definitely since we started playing fantasies, it's which is more than yeah, a decade so now. Two, 2011 to the present, 165 yeah. appearances over 10 years. So oh. Without, without ever once going out on loan, you would have thought that might have happened at some point. 165 turns over 10 years is not a lot for a central defender. That's a uh, anyway. All right, let's. Let, I don't want to get. I don't want. We could do Phil Jones talk. You know, on any number <laughs> of future pods. All right, Brandon, fill in the blank. Question number one. Blank. 
And and I, you know, I th- by the way, this will be, you know, we can we can trade these back and forth. This is okay. not me asking you to answer it every time because that, that would be that'd be tough. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, question number one though, I'll give this one to you to start. Blank is the best forward to own in fantasy. Yeah, you, you, question. you let off with the tough one and the big one. I mean, coming out of game week eight, I feel like the only real answer to this is Jamie Vardy. Yeah. Um, because the guy has, what, returned eight goals in eight game weeks at this point. So what's not to love? I, I feel like you still have to say, because what rubs us all the wrong way about Jamie Vardy at this point in his fantasy career is really the price tag. Now, obviously, when you look at those returns and you look at the returns we're getting from more expensive strikers and Kane and Lukaku and and Ronaldo, you say, well, well what's the problem? 10.5 is actually a bargain. But yeah. Um, it's just like I feel like we have entered into some sort of nuclear nuclear arms race now with strikers where you're familiar with deterrence theory, right, Josh? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So like <laughs> us in the U.S., we have nuclear weapons because Russia has nuclear weapons. And that is to d- deter Russia from hitting us because we'll hit them back. And that is kind yeah. of where we are with premium strikers in FPL right now. Like I have Lukaku as a deterrent to I guess Lukaku scoring against me um, or or somebody else has Ronaldo uh, for the same reasons etc etc so when are we actually going to move into small arms and start trading with (laughs) with the like third world countries uh, with the Jamie Vardy's of the world I think that's the question so I guess it's so painful (laughs) it's so painful to think that if you had just if you just brought in Jamie Vardy in game week three yeah a, a reasonable time to have brought him in You'd have 12 to 8, 11, 8, and 8. That's seven goals, one assist. That doesn't even count, that doesn't even count a goal he scored in game week one uh, home to Wolves. So seven goals, However, one assist. Yeah. If you, if you do, though, look at uh, the strikers in FPL. Yeah, Jamie Vardy leads the way with 56 points. Six points behind him with 50 is Antonio. Antonio's right. been a little quiet of late, but can you make the argument that the the price savings on Antonio at 8.1 is value for missing those six points. And therefore Mikel Antonio remains the best striker so far this season in fantasy. I think so. I mean, I guess the question is, you know, uh, moving forward, right. Um, You know, who would you want? But I, I, the the Antonio, I mean, today's match was, it was a terrible match. It really was Uh, the, um, Everton, yeah. Everton, uh, West, West Ham. Ham. It was yeah. kind of, you know, no, no team should have won that match. It's a little, uh, you know, but, but it, you know, if it was going to end anyway, and Ogbonna goal that helps nobody, uh, <laughs> maybe hurts a few. I don't even know Everton people who are the Everton defenders or something. You know, sure. That, 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 uh, that gray clean sheet point. I noticed my, my yeah. overall rank uh, was helped a little bit by all the people who own Everton midfielders losing that one. Point. Yeah. Yeah, it was annoying. I mean, it, you know, it was it was just one more thing. And yeah, I mean, I had I had uh, Antonio and Gray, and I, you know, you sometimes you have those game weeks where things are going so bad, you're like, well, I'm not getting anything out of this match. You know, what I mean, I, I was, <laughs> yeah. I had less than no hope. I knew that nothing nothing good was going to happen, and so uh, so I was sort of fine with it. You know, I was like, I, I had like I right. fully embraced the pessimism of it. Point being, um, though, Antonio yeah. didn't look that great. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, to to your point, yeah. nobody really looked that great. Uh, Gray actually played pretty well, but. Um, um, 
what yeah. do you take away from game week eight owning a player like Antonio or like when we've discussed him, you you're of the mind that Antonio is still a season keeper. Did that Everton match change your mind at all? No, I mean, you shouldn't let one match, you know, uh, influence you too much, uh, especially with high quality players like that. I mean, I think I think in, in their case, it was just a. Yeah, it was just a poor match. Um, and but I think you know Rafa Benitez had a couple of weeks to to kind of game plan for that match. I mean, I think I think you know he really. Um, well, it was kind of weird actually because the first like twenty minutes of that match were it was so one sided. It was like Liverpool Watford levels of one sidedness, you know. But yeah. but ultimately they weren't really creating a lot of chances. You know, it wasn't yeah. really like uh, so. I mean, it was it was one sided, but it was sort of. Um, it was all for nothing. You know, there wasn't, it wasn't like, well, like West Ham had the ball a lot, but they weren't really creating anything. And so, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I feel like I, I wouldn't read too much in that match. I also just think in general, like taking too much out of a, the first match at, at any team plays an international break, I think is a little, yeah. um, is a little, um, what's the word? I don't know. Just like you should take it with like a, you know, grain of salt or whatever. And I, sure. I think, um, yeah. Reactionary. I, I yeah, and I mean that you know West Ham plays Spurs at home in game week nine. I see that as a pretty good fixture. Uh, Villa away in ten, fine. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Wolves just scored three goals there, in like six minutes. So uh, that you know, it's not really clicking uh, quite the same way at Aston Villa uh, so far this season. And you know, Liverpool at home and and eleven, Man City away in thirteen. I mean, I, I actually think that game week eleven is when if you could find the money. Uh, Antonio to Vardy would be something worth considering because Vardy okay. plays uh, Leeds and Watford in two of the next three starting to game week 11. So yeah. if, you know, if you're, if you're able to find an extra, I don't know, that'd be like two and a half million or something like that. And that might be yeah. something to at least, you know, consider. Yeah, thinking about strikers after Saturday's matches, I was finding it tricky to figure out what to react to. So if you look at who was responsible for scoring who scored goals on Saturday uh, who yeah. are classified as forwards in the game? Well, Firmino scored a hat-trick, but he is still a non-starter for fantasy managers because of the Jota conundrum. And yeah. I, I think Firmino's like his, his quality in that lineup is, is a little sketchy. I think he was a little flattered by Watford. Anyway, uh, Danny Ings is the only forward who scores in the uh, Villa Wolves match. Uh, no striker for Wolves scores. G- and Ings, I think we've kind of we're we're out on him still. Uh, even even after that match, I think if Villa's stock even pl- plummets farther, after, they had no right to lose that match uh, against Wolves. So that's just a continued problem for Villa. Leicester, Manchester United. Jamie Vardy is the only strike. Well, I guess Pat's and Daka, but you know Pat's and Daka hasn't started a single match this season. So Jamie Vardy is as uh, so far, the only striker we're talking about. No strikers scored in Man City, Burnley. No strikers scored in Norwich, Brighton. Uh, the only striker to score in Southampton Leeds is this guy Broja, who, ha- like da- like uh, Pat Sindaka, has not seen a single start this season. Yeah. So now we and have picked to up an injury. So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think what we know about Broja is he starts because he scored for. Um, 
uh, shoot, I'm, I'm blanking on his, his home nation. Uh, but he was coming off of good form from the international break. And I think, um, Hassenhutl just saw it as a good opportunity to rest some of his players like Armstrong and Shea Adams had an injury. So, uh, and no, no striker scores in Brentford, Chelsea. So do you see what I'm saying here, Josh? Plays plays for Albania. (laughs) Yeah. You've named every forward in the game. Uh, (laughs) but, but, but none of them are, none of them apart from Jamie Vardy are terribly enticing. Yeah, I mean, I think Jimenez is the one that I would consider a little bit. I mean, it's you know, I was sort of just looking at like non-penalty XG again. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm actually leaning back into the stat world a little bit, uh, which it's not—it's not like I'm like anti-stat by any means, but it's just I haven't been taking it quite as seriously this season as maybe I should be. And um, you know, his is a little bit lower than some of the, like you know, for example, on the season, uh, Antonio Vardy and Ronaldo are the top three. Uh, so Ronaldo has three goals in the season on three point six seven, you know, NPXG and. I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, Jimenez, though, I think is a little lower. And I think you have to use a little bit of context there because those first few weeks when he was coming back from that head injury, it was he did not look like the Jimenez that he's yeah. looked like the last you know few weeks. And so I think sort of finding his sea legs a little bit. Yeah. Scored a pen for Mexico. Uh, you know, I mean, he's always been a, a reasonably good creator and, you know, picking up a couple of, uh, assists for Huang a couple of weeks ago, I think bodes well for, um, for Wolves. And, and now you think, I mean, they, you know, had that picked up that kind of dramatic win and they play Leeds in the next game week. I mean, I think that that could really, um, they're playing Leeds at kind of the perfect time. And so I think yeah. that could end up being a really good match for, for him. And so he's definitely on my radar as, as a forward that I would consider. But yeah, I think, I think it is Vardy. I think, I mean, honestly, I think the honest answer is um, it has to still be Lukaku because um, their fixtures are just so good the next three weeks that even if he's been hugely massively disappointing, I, I don't know. I mean, they play, they play Norwich at home, Newcastle away and Burnley at home in their next three. I realize they've got some champions league matches. Maybe he doesn't start one of those matches. I, kind of doubt it because he just doesn't run that much you know he doesn't he's kind of not required it's not like he's like you know gonna get so burned out that that you know they're gonna they're not gonna risk him i I wouldn't think and so i think he's gonna play all three of those and um he's you know i mean has this reputation for being kind of a flat track bully and those are those are the flat track matches right i mean you know i mean the brentford one i think is actually it was secretly a, a slightly tricky match um, you know, just because Brentford have looked really, Raya in particular has just been phenomenal, right? The whole defensive, I mean, the whole unit, yeah. uh, uh, Brentford has been really good. It was a way, uh, Brentford have been, you know, in really excellent form. They didn't have as many players tr- travel for the international break. And so they probably had, you know, really two weeks to drill and kind of get ready for this Chelsea match. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that they do that, I feel like I don't. Like with the NFL, it's like game planning is such a massive part of it, you know, and like like planning for the opponent. I feel like. Every time I see these like training drills in soccer, it just feels like they're just like, like you know, like, like when I when I see like wolves practicing or whatever, it feels like they're just like goofing around. I realize like we only see like two minutes of it, and they don't they don't actually show the tactics talk, but it always feels. Uh, very yeah, I don't think the cameramen like, yeah. are invited when they're doing the. Uh, this is how we're going to set up for our for our <laughs> right. match this weekend. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, Thomas Frank, if nobody else, had a couple of weeks to really think about how he wanted to play against Chelsea, and they they put up a good fight. And honestly, if they hadn't hit the crossbar, maybe that that becomes a. Or, or I guess it was the post. Well, uh, maybe that you, becomes a match they win. Look at the XG for the teams in that match. Uh, Brentford's XG was 1.82 versus Chelsea, which was 0.25, staggering. And Chelsea were fortunate to walk away with a 1-0 yeah. win. I think everyone has to be feeling pretty good about Brentford coming out of that match. But I, I agree, Lukaku 
is still the guy. If you go back to the FPL stats table, who's the third leading uh, forward in FPL? It's Jesus. Okay, where does Jesus land in actual Optostats non-penalty XG? He's like way down there, 1.81. Basically half of what Lukaku or Cristiano Ronaldo have in NPXG. So I, I just think that the FPL... Points are telling a different story than the the actual optostats. And what we're seeing specifically with Lukaku, even with Ronaldo, is they they probably should have more they 100 percent should have more points than they do. And I think this is where, you know, the the bugaboo word patience has to be uttered. And even though you might not want to be patient, even though you might feel like this is the point in the season where you have to find a differential. Where are the differentials? Josh, you were just talking about, um, it seems like this season there, anytime something good happens, it happens with the player that is really widely owned. Well, maybe, maybe we're going to see a lot of people jumping off of Ronaldo and Lukaku this week. Uh, Lukaku will see his points come in against Norwich. I, it's 100% worth sticking with him uh, for the next few weeks. And what do you think about Ronaldo? I mean, they, I mean, he's still Ronaldo, right? He's still a fantastic player, had plenty of chances on uh, the weekend. And, um, you know, the game week before, I think he came on in the 75th minute or something like that. So, you know, that's not really a great judge. Didn't score um, at home to Villa. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at three consecutive weeks of, of blanks in the fantasy. Cost $12.5 million. So, um, you know, and they play Liverpool away to Spurs, Man City, and away to Chelsea in their next, in four of their next five. They do have a Watford match in there, um, you know, but unfortunately that's four weeks away. So I, you know, do you stick around through Liverpool, Spurs, and Man City just to hold on for that Watford fixture? I think that's asking a lot. Uh, I don't think that's, that's necessarily what I advise. I mean, I, I, I think you could consider just moving from Lukaku to Ronaldo at that point, if you had enough money in your bank, right? Because yeah, play away to Leicester at that point. Yeah, I, I I I agree. And Ronaldo is Ronaldo. If you don't have another player that you need, um, and it, I think the reason to move Ronaldo right now is that his, that money can free you up to do something else in your team. But yeah. if you have no fires to put out, I Ronaldo is is good enough to. I mean, there are there there's so there's so many unknowns with Manchester United right now as as we as we mentioned at the top of the pops, just kind of a, they're in a precarious position and it's, yeah. it's a little bit chaotic. That that said, I you know who could who would be surprised if Ronaldo delivered two or three yeah. goals over the next two or three weeks? Totally, and you know, in the in the big stage on Sunday, I think that's part of what what, what like makes me pause a little bit. It's just like that Liverpool. Yeah. Then you had a game on Sunday and you're like, ah, I don't really want to drop Ronaldo before that match. But I think I think the other way to think about it is um, could he score this week? Sure. Could he score next week? Sure. Um, Could the player that you bring in who costs five million less score as well? Yes. (laughs) And could that extra five million uh, turn Marcel into, you know, Diaz or whatever and, you know, or or whatever, like, you know, or some some Chelsea defender at home to Norwich and, you know, and, and really give yourself a great chance to, um, you know, to, to, to rack up even more points. I mean, I think that, that you just have to look at it that way. And it's like that, it's yeah. that fear stuff that we talk, I mean, it's in the arms race, the deterrent stuff that you've talked about before. I mean, it's like, you know, I think I'm, um, 
And again, that's why I'm so glad that I have two transfers this week because I just need time to, I need transfers. Like I just need <laughs> moves. I need lots of moves. You know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. this constant like feeling of like, how do I solve the problem right in front of me? And Josh, and I, you need, I, you, you need to go play the FPL squid game and see if they can get, you can win more transfers by surviving the longest. <laughs> I still don't even know. I have intentionally not read about, I have no idea. I know it's a game show. That's literally all I know about it. I'm not going to learn anything <laughs> more else. or less. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am in the middle of like, there's like this, there's 200 episodes of this anime show called Hunter okay Hunter let's not Run. get too too no, deep but into I'm just anime say talk. It. i'm not gonna get too deep in anime talk but i'm just gonna say this that uh one obsession at a time is what okay. i'm saying one, uh, one dumb obsession at a time <laughs> maybe i'll move on to squid game after that okay i still okay. got great british bake-off episodes to get through too so oh, yeah. i don't really i don't have the time man um anyway so all right, let's let's we could spend forever on this question. Uh, yeah, I, think, I, I just want I don't yeah. want to leave this striker conversation that's gone on far too long with a classic always cheating hedge. So I think what we can say is the uh, certified always cheating recommendation is move Ronaldo on to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like it feels like that's like a you, you can like copy that clip and throw it back on our faces Sunday night. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think that is that's certainly what I'm planning to do. Yeah. Um, what I just I guess one last thing because it is important here. Um, when we talk about moving on. Uh, Ivan Tony, um, you know, pretty low actually on the XG uh, non penalty table, and but he is tops for X for XA. I mean, I hate mm-hmm. just like throwing these stats out in this kind of dumb way but like i mean he is like he you know, basically top for expected assists for all forwards in, in fantasy not necessarily the one who's you know kind of getting his head on the goals though and you've had him for the last two weeks uh you know are you feeling fine with him they have good run good run of pictures going forward obviously i feel like brentford just haven't had that run yet and the fact that brentford have like they're they're surviving this trial by fire uh, their first season in the Premier League they're putting up good stats which i hope will just be completely unleashed when they they do enter into this relatively good run of fixtures starting in game week 10 so i i i feel great having tony i see a lot of managers looking to bring tony in and i think everyone is it's it's interesting to hear Tuchel talk about how unselfish Lukaku is being, but Lukaku's XA is 0.8 versus Tony's 1.92. So if if Lukaku's being unselfish, Tony is just really in sync with his teammates. In addition to looking for other routes to FPL points for you, so I I think at 6.4 he it just represents incredible fantasy value. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I move on from, um, from, uh, Ronaldo this week, I think it's between Jimenez and Tony that I would strongly consider. And I, I, I sort of lean towards Jimenez just because I do think that, I think that Leeds fixture is just wonderful. Like it is such a great time for him. And, and he was just rested too. I love bringing it up, up a good player who's like one of the most important players in his team. And he was just given a rest. That's like the ideal time yeah. to bring in that player. Cause you can just kind of coast you know for for several weeks hopefully without having to worry about them you know getting getting roached at any point and leads were very much like a raft of garbage uh coasting down a river being set on fire uh in that southampton match just absolutely putrid but when you you know i mean brentford uh have a great run ahead leicester burnley norwich newcastle i mean you know credit to leicester who who played you know very well uh home to 
Man United, or at least played well at the end. I don't even know what to say about that match. It was kind of a strange one. Uh, but uh, I, I think that Wolves' run is is comparable. I mean, Leeds away, Everton at home, Palace away, West Ham at home, Norwich away in the next five. I mean, I feel like that's um, that's right there. And I would expect, well, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I, I guess, you know, with Tony, I just feel like I need more time still because, um, you know, it's like he looks great. Obviously, he had amazing stats last season. He's doing fine in terms of his results. I mean, given his price point, as you noted before, but um, I still feel like the upside is maybe a little bit higher with Jimenez. Uh, it's kind of funny, actually, because Jimenez is, is not necessarily known as a high upside player. Yeah. He's like a he's a nine pointer kind of player. But that's that is I mean, given what I've been getting from my team, if I got nine points from a from my midfielder or forward next week, I think I would like break down. I would actually <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah. just it'd be, it'd be like the end of Goodwill Hunting, you know, just like totally like it'd all be released. Right now, you know? <laughs> quick, quick pop quiz for you, Josh. How mm-hmm. tall is Ivan Tony? Five foot eleven. Mm, close five ten. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I figured he was like not six, make... six two or something yeah, like that. That's that's the that's the the guy's a lot of hair. You know, it <laughs> yeah. always makes him seem a little taller. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, somehow Phil, we've done one question. Here. Just all right. one. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll jump in here and give you the next Phil Jones in the blank, Josh. Yeah. And it's okay. question two. Yep. The over ten million player we're all going to have in the next few weeks is blank. So I think. The Harry Kane, Sadio Mane, and Kevin DeBrunner are all the tempting answers. But mm-hmm. given how expensive they are, I actually wonder if it may end up being Sun, who is the 10 million option that is the most viable. You know, I mean, it's like you can talk all you want about Kevin DeBrunner, but he's kind of a hard player to fit in, right? Even if you drop, I guess if you drop Ronaldo down to Tony, that frees up like 6 million. Like that is actually enough to maybe, I mean, even then I don't think you can get to De Bruyne. Like that's how insanely expensive he is in the game. And he scored, yeah. picked up three bonus points. I mean, you know, maybe I, I, I have been very like KDB no um, kind of all season. I guess he's 11, mm-hmm. nine. So you could, you could just about, just about make it work, but I, I'm not really, I'm still not totally feeling the, the KDB move. I don't know. Just that. I mean, the, the goal so that KDB scored was basically the ball just presented itself to him after he got tackled and in classic De Bruyne style, he just absolutely blasted his foot through it and it was unstoppable. I think, uh, you know, it's the kind of goal you, you love to see, but doesn't, it doesn't look repeatable. Uh, yep. if yep. you follow my logic there. So yep. Yep. I I think, uh, and, and Red Dagger mentions is a time for the Salamani Mane double up. And I do find that Mane of all of these guys you mentioned might be the most appealing. I mean, before you knew it, Mane already has five goals on the season. Though the one drawback of Sadio Mane is five goals, uh, all all in five different matches, not a single bonus point, Josh, all season. He has had some strange matches. feels like where he's just kind of fluffed his lines. And and I'm actually surprised that he doesn't have double-digit returns at any point this season because he has looked great at lots of different times so far this year. I mean, just I know this isn't kind of relevant to the question here, but, I mean, Diogo Jota, what do we think now? I mean, I neither of us have many more, but it, it's just it's just not worth the risk, right? I mean, especially after the Firmino hat trick. I mean, you could totally see Jota get ninety minutes, the Champions League in midweek, and then Firmino start again on the weekend. You know, kind of a nightmare yeah. scenario for Jota owners. We're talking to Liverpool fans. They would say, uh, 
what Liverpool, what that squad is experiencing right now is joy. They're playing with some joy. And to watch Mane, Firmino, and Salah all be back to their winning ways against Watford on Saturday, you just had flashbacks to uh, their their even the the Man City season where they Man City beat them by what is was it like one point? But um, I feel like when you see that, you're like, well. Klopp has a genuine chance to win the league again this season. And is that chance going to be helped by his team playing with that level of joy? So does yeah. Firmino somehow sneak ahead of Jota in the lineup? Not because Firmino is better, but he unlocks this, this way of playing this almost, it's almost nostalgic for this yep. Liverpool squad now. So I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, it gives me pause. I, I think, honestly, Jota probably still has that spot uh, yeah. uh, more often than not. But from a F- FPL perspective, I don't know. We have too many other players who are considering who are rotation risks. I don't know if we need another one there when we've got so many yeah. other great options like Trent and Mo. Right there, you've got two slam dunk options with Liverpool. Uh, do you need a third? I'm yeah. not certain. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at, at this point, it's interesting. Jota's played exactly 500 minutes so far in the season. He's got three goals in 500 minutes. So you're basically talking about like a little a little more than one goal every two matches from him so far in the season. And uh, I mean, you know, it's it's not like he's 6 million, right? He's, he's 7.5 million. It's, it's a pretty high price, but I think the expectations are a little bit higher there. I mean, when you think about what you'd expect from Trent Alexander-Arnold at $7.5 million, the same price point as Jota, I think that you would be – it's so funny that it's turned to Jota. It's, like, it's my fault for, for doing this. But I feel like when you talk you about Mane, Jota just sort of comes up, you know. Yeah. Um, the Jota versus – I mean, the, uh, the the Mane versus Kevin De Bruyne question is, is sort of interesting. I mean, they're exactly the same price. Um, I, you know, I do feel like Mane is a little less liably, liable to be rotated and um, – uh, but, and, you know, and maybe it plays a little more for, you know, a little further forward, uh, but Kevin De Bruyne has better fixtures and is the better player. All right. Well, is more likely to get assists, more likely to get bonus points. Um, kind of hard to split the difference between those two. I think, I mean, I guess maybe I'd lean towards De Bruyne just because the fixtures are better. I just think it's going to be Harry Kane, Josh, and not after. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it's at game week 12. If if Kane scores two more goals between now and game week 12, and that's when uh, Spurs fixtures become home leads, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, Brighton. Uh, and if we have further question marks over the likes of Lukaku and Ronaldo, Harry, yeah. it's going to be a fire sale. People are going to be buying Harry Kane left and right. That's interesting. I mean, it makes me uh, think that, you know, I, there were a couple of questions that didn't make the running order about um, whether, you know, going small at the front was was kind of a new idea or, you know, I mean, that, that often gets thrown around because people love that idea in general. Go, you pick at the back, <laughs> uh-huh. lots of expensive midfielders, no one in front. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Vardy is, is a viable option or someone you'd want to consider in the next few weeks. And then, yeah, I mean, Kane, you know, I mean, you could move Lukaku to Kane very easily. And so that is something or, or Ronaldo to Kane for that matter, if you hold on to Ronaldo. So I think that's interesting. I um, I don't know. I mean, you know, everyone looks good against Newcastle. So let's see. I mean, he's looked awful so far in the season. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a brilliant player, but 
Um, I mean, it was his first goal and his first assist so far. I know he's picked up a couple of goals in the Europa Conference League, but I feel like that doesn't really count. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, if he if he if he can keep it going, then yeah, I mean, he won the Golden Boot last year. Like clearly, he's a you know a player we're going to have to consider. Knowing he scores him. when he wants, Josh. He or he's to, one of our he used own to score when he wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I, I, and I think son who it's kind of funny cause son was my answer and he's the player we've talked the least about, but uh, I just, again, I just love that price point. I mean, 10.1 million, it's pretty easy to get there with a lot of different players, right? You can get there just from, from someone like Jota, you know, pretty, pretty easily. It doesn't take that much to, to get there. So I think, um, I don't know. He's, he's the one that I, I, that I would maybe consider just, you know, I, again, he, he's kind of just as involved as as Kane. Um, I don't know, two million cheaper. Fixtures are a little bit better. I don't know. I'm kind of avoiding all of them right now. But again, yeah. the question was who in the next few weeks are we going to be talking about? And I think I think Sun is going to just emerge as the more viable alternative because he's just a little yeah. bit easier to get in. And you yeah. just can't do anything with Lukaku right now. You just got to keep him and hope that these fixtures kind of save him and salvage him. Right. Which I think they probably will. Um, if I didn't think they would, I guess I would drop them. Right. And so I do think that they will. A man saved by the fixtures. It sounds like a great, uh, romantic sweeping, romantic drama yeah. for the ages. Yeah. Or a TBS series starring <laughs> <laughs> Zach Morris. Kelly <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, question number three, um, blank is the ideal back four to own in your defense. Uh, yeah, I see this as kind of a leading question. Nicholas wants to know, is Chilwell the player with the biggest upside on game week nine? If he keeps his starting place, then a goal and an assist and a clean sheet, all the more likely than unlikely. And if three of those, if I, if I look at my back line, I've got Trent Cancelo Diaz. Ben white is my cheap guy at 4.4. And then, I mean, I feel like Ben White is my cheap guy. Actually, Livramento is my cheap guy, even though he seems like a premium defender the way everyone's talking about him now. Um, and then I have Mendy and Goal. I, the thing with Chilwell, just to sort of um, go back to that, is we were – everything that we're saying about Chilwell, we were saying about Marcus Alonso just a few weeks ago. And what was the anxiety about Marcus Alonso? Well, what's going to happen, you know, when Chilwell is back in action? And here now we see what's happening and people who had Alonso are getting burned. Now everyone has Chilwell and they're going to ask, well, what happens if and when Alonso starts? And what happens if Alonso gets a start and looks as good as Chilwell does? I I am inherently a more conservative FPL manager. Um I would. I hesitate to say conservative, Josh. I guess I'm just a manager who just. I just don't want to deal with that crap. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I thought Rudiger was the elegant solution here, and that blew up in everybody's faces. So I'm just here again to make the case for Mendy being your uh, d- Chelsea defensive coverage. When I, when you look at Chelsea, you're you're like the what what the you can... sigh the sigh, the Brandon Kelly sigh <laughs> usually means that you don't even like the argument you're making right and that you sort of uh, well, the sigh is like the sigh is like I or or maybe it's more like 
I make an argument that I know I can't quite like pull. Like, yeah, I'm going to make an off. argument about, and I don't know if the argument I'm making is the way I want the world to be or way the the way the world actually is. You tell me. So uh, the argument is what I really want from Chelsea defense is clean sheets because what they excel at is great defense and we're going to get 20 plus clean sheets from them. However, uh, for a team that has Romelu Lukaku in the number nine, every single one of their goals is coming from a defensive asset. This is why the Reese James thing has been so maddening and why it's been so hard for me to let, let him go yeah. because it he yeah. seems ideal. Like it seems like I said, he's like he and Lukaku just feels like peanut butter and jelly, man, you know, just yeah. like it's perfect, but it's, uh, it just has not worked out so far. You know, at all. So this is actually data that I want to know from the end of the season. I want to see at the end of the season, how the clean sheet points stack up for Chelsea versus the attacking points. And if you were to stick with say Mendy throughout the entire season, would that measure up to a Chilwell output? Like what would be your guess there, Josh? Even Chilwell probably slightly yeah. slightly ahead, but that's contingent upon him actually starting yeah. more than 25 matches, I think. It's hard to compare, though, because you have to kind of like think about who you'd have in that that replacement slot, right? I mean, you know, it's... Right. So it's then that's... Rare, that's rare that he's that, going to get uh, six, six, you know, saves and, a, and bonus points, right? I mean, usually there's sure. enough other players who are going to pick up enough... We're going to do enough good things in the pitch for him not to get bonus points. Yeah. I think in general. So that's the question. Who is the replacement? So I, I, I don't know. I, I think right now I have opted for double Man City outfield defense. And Cancelo feels like the – listen, Cancelo sounds a lot like consensus, doesn't it, Josh? And he is the <laughs> consensus pick. Uh-huh. Uh, so Cancelo and Diaz just for that that comfort blanket. Um. So I'm feeling double city defense, Trent, uh, Mendy and goal, and then fill in the cheap blanks. Livermento, I guess, has to be uh, compulsory too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, talk about value, right? I mean, it's, uh, I, it was, I mean, you know, it was like it was still, I mean, Leeds are still a pretty attacking team, so I, you know, it wasn't, it was not like a, you know, a clean sheet was a guarantee there, and so I was, I was really, that was like one of the few things that went, that went well for me this game week, and now I feel like. Honestly, feels like a pretty strong starter to me in game week nine. I at the moment I would start him over. I have Sar and Gray. I would start him over both those two players at the moment. Yeah. Um, and depending on how my team works out, if Rudiger gets a clean bill of health and James is healthy, um, my moves might be Ronaldo to Jimenez and Marsal to probably Diaz. Actually, I need one safe player to my team. I cannot deal with (laughs) how how many players I, I I will sacrifice some attacking returns just to have a safe player on my team. Uh, Cause I don't think, I think Diaz got his rest. That might be like the only rest he gets the rest of the season. So um, if I did that and Rudiger was healthy, then I would play five at the back uh, this weekend for sure. Um, I would, I would trust Livermento at home to Burnley over, over Gray and Saar who um, are just sort of a, I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, I don't know what to think about Watford. I mean, they couldn't have looked worse. Um, you know, very few of their players yeah. traveled, new manager, no bump at all. I'm just annihilated uh, at home. To Yeah. I mean, Ranieri wants to play balls into the channels for counterattacking maneuvers and watching them play Liverpool. Like Watford could not 
play balls into the channels to save their lives. They it was just the passing was so terrible. Just Ben Foster giving it away on every goal kick. He must have had yeah. thirty five goal kicks, all of which were intercepted by. A, I'm not necessarily blaming him for this, but like it was, the strategy did not work. It was, no. uh, yeah. All right, so let's. So I think um, I think at least one. I would actually lean towards Cancelo Diaz and one. Uh, one uh, Chelsea defender, just because uh, there's so much rotation back there. I, I, I guess if I was talking about just ideal, then I would probably say Ospoliqueta, who is an unmovable object in that defense, yeah. the safest pick. Uh, also has some attacking threat depending on where they line him up. Um, so I'd go Cancelo, Diaz, Ospoliqueta, White, Lieberamento. That'd be the five if I was on a wild card that I would yeah. put together. Gee, I, I'm, I'm, uh, and you can make your case. It's your, it's your decision. I'm just astounded at how you've moved away from Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess at some point I've got to consider him again. I mean, I, <laughs> I just completely blew up my team. I mean, I, I really can't even talk about it because I'm so <laughs> mad at myself for how bad. Uh, I just hate. I hate everything I've done starting yeah. day week four. And it's like, it's like I, if I start talking about it, I'm just going to ramble on and and just and just like you know, um, it's it's not worth the agony that I. Right. You know, the more I talk about, it, the more agonized I'm going to feel. About well, it. so I, I can it's, tell. It's, it's yeah. I can tell you're agonizing, Josh, and I, I just think it's important for our listeners to underline. I think we have two. Or I think we have three elite defenses where you should look to get coverage, and that's Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea. And I think there yeah. are a lot of different uh, ways to approach that, and it comes down to your risk tolerance, right? And most notably with Chelsea, because they're probably going to see the greatest amount of rotation. And if you have a high risk tolerance, go for the high flying fullbacks that will get you points. If you don't look to the center backs and Trent and maybe a goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that I didn't mention Trent at all. It's kind of hard. It's hard to fit everybody in, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, can't have them all. yeah, we'll see. We'll see how Ben White looks tomorrow. We're giving him a lot of credit, but (laughs) Arsenal defense has looked pretty good. Uh, recently. Um, anyway, all right. Final question. Question number four is if I were on a wild card, the sub 6.5 midfielder, okay. Sub 6.5. Well, we'll, we'll tell you like 6.6. We can, uh, I mean, Rafinha belongs in there, but any, anyway, sub 6.5 midfielder I would have is blank. Oh, well, so Rafinha is in here. That's what we're saying. Well, okay. Yeah. I like walked myself (laughs) into that. I just mean to like, I want to acknowledge that Rafinha is a player. I almost wanted to like set this up so we talked about the like sub Rafinha category. Yeah. Uh, so if you were going to have, and it depends on your team setup, right? If you go really happy in the back, maybe you only have one. Uh, maybe it's just Rafinha, and then everybody, and then you have like two four point five million uh, midfielders, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend because it's just yeah. like, it's like a mess you're going to have to resolve. I feel like the I feel like the six point five and below midfielder is the new four point five defender. And let me tell you why, Josh, because, you know, wisdom going into game week one is figure out who your cheap defenders are and slot them in and just don't mess with them. You don't want to be in a position where you're chopping and changing 4.5 defenders because it's very sporadic when and where you're going to get those points. And I feel like that is the same with this level of midfielder. And I think there is. Lots of anxiety around Saeed Benrama, who has three double-digit hauls in eight game weeks. Now, you know, he's like, I think, three on the bounce blanks. But what felt clear to me 
just like the first 15 minutes of Everton West Ham, uh, Everton couldn't touch the ball. Like in moments, West Ham looked like one of the best teams in the Premier League. And I, I mean, that's a, a little hyperbolic, but they are a really good team. And I do think Ben Rama. Uh, is up there with Rafinha in terms of the this this priced midfielder who could deliver in any match week and is worth just hanging on to to see yeah. what happens. West Ham's fixtures are turning a little a little rotten in the coming weeks. You know they've got Spurs followed by Villa and Liverpool in game week eleven. Wolves, Man City, Brighton, Chelsea. These are really actually quite terrible. Um, but I, I, I still think Ben Rama, like, I, I don't see who's better than him by such a margin that you're going to move him to, uh, I, like, Saka or Damari Gray. I thought Damari Gray also looked good in that Everton-West Ham match, but, like, better than Ben Rama? Yeah. Uh, I, but so then I, I think the the one player that we haven't mentioned is... And Bumo for Brentford. And he now leads the league in uh, shots that have hit the woodwork. Six. Other close strikers behind him include Lukaku, who have only hit the woodwork twice. And Bumo has hit the woodwork six times. That's insane. That, that's like, remember, I feel like there was a season where Luis, this is like going way back now, but I feel like there was a season where Luis Suarez did that. Yeah. Like yeah. he had like, he had like eight, like, you know, then the next season he exploded. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> So I don't know. What do you think about Mbumo? I, I think he's a great option, yeah. obviously. And if of all these guys, you know, he's five point five. And if you can get, yeah. if you can get what we're talking about with six point six, six point five players uh, at five point five, why not? He's a classic fantasy nerd player where it's like part of me is like, well, like he's too hot. Like he's like too. Everyone's on him already, you know. And like I don't want to. Like I don't want to be a follower or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and of course, his ownership is two point nine percent. Right? Like no, nobody's got this guy. Um, I I like it. I like the pick a lot. I mean, I think for me as somebody who's considering alternatives to both Sar and Gray, I love him. Like I think he would fit my team. Like uh, you know, I'm just gonna keep using this metaphor, Brandon. Like peanut butter and jelly. You know, mm, Josh Lana being the jelly. Blama being the peanut butter. That sounds, wow. sounds great. Who's the bread? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Who is the bread? I Thomas don't Frank. Know. Yeah, Thomas Frank is the bread. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, but let's 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 keep work. Let's keep workshopping that. All right, yeah, maybe in sure. the pot I can figure out how I want to. You know, think of, think this one through. Yeah, <laughs> but I think uh, I think he's I think he's a superb option. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like he's the forward on that team a lot of the time. Watching that yeah. Chelsea match, it felt like. Tony was doing like the Harry Kane thing, right? Like well, going yeah. back to midfield, picking up the ball. And then Abuema was the player furthest forward on the pitch. So, I mean, I haven't looked at the heat maps, but I, I just feels like he was, he was the furthest forward player for Brentford. So yeah. Or like yeah. Lukaku and Timo Werner, where Mbumo is, is, is Werner here and, and yeah. a less Werner version of that. There's a lot of interesting players in this, uh, this Brentford side, like even like players like Norgard, who like none, none of us have talked about, but Norgard scored four goals in a league cup match, uh, like a couple of weeks ago. Pretty you know, good. Just like, yeah, pretty good. And just like all of these kind of random players who all like, it, it reminds me a little bit. I, and I, I feel like I'm almost damning them with faint praise. Cause I think they're better than this, but it reminds me a little bit of, um, Sheffield United a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. they came up and they just had all of these cheap players and it was like, well, yeah. 
they all seem kind of appealing. You know, it was like, it was yeah. kind of hard to pick like which one was, was the best. And so I, I can totally see a scenario where it works out that Brentford is like one of the two teams that has, uh, like a double game, like some fluky one, you know, game week 26 mm-hmm. or whatever. And we have to figure out the third, the third Brentford player to get, you know, mm-hmm. and suddenly Ethan Pinnock is going to be like the most highly owned player in fantasy or something. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all about, uh, and Buemo. And I think the other ones, I mean, it was interesting just like trying to look at some players who maybe were off my radar a little bit. Um, yeah, El Yanusi comes up like pretty high. I was surprised he has a, his XG on penalty is just around three. Um, he only has one goal in the season and I, I believe he scored, at least twice over the international break as well. So interesting a player in really good goal scoring form, but just not somebody that I have like that. I have any, you know, kind of sense of how to, how to rate or how to, you know, think about. Um, so yeah. And then know. look, I'm yeah. looking at Decore's stats now too. His XG is 1.65 and his XA a paltry 0.7. So I guess the rap on him now is going to be Decore is just wildly outperforming his stats. Now that's yeah. not, not always a bad thing. And uh, at 5.7 Decore very much still in this conversation. So yeah, I, I like, I like, I guess Decore and Bumo, uh, Rafinha and, uh, and uh, Ben Rama are, are the yeah. four guys I'm kind of looking at here. Yeah. And I think, you know, tomorrow um, I'd be really interested to see how, I don't even really want to talk about them in this pod too much because they, they they haven't played yet. But I think um, Gallagher, Saka, and Emil Smith Rowe, yeah, uh, I think are all all players that that we might want to think about at some point. Um, so yeah, I think that they're uh, you know uh, Gallagher to me is like just a fun player. Like I just he just feels like a fun player to have in your squad, right? Because he's just so aggressive. Yeah. Like it's it'd be fun to have a player who's just like running around like who will not, I mean, unfortunately it translates into a lot of yellow cards uh, and fouls, <laughs> but just a player who like will never give up. He's just a really, um, just a fun player to, to watch. I found. Absolutely. A Friday night lights style. Um, <laughs> speaking of, should we, should we pay to have the, have the always cheating lights kept on Josh and take a quick break here? Let's do it. And we'll get back and we'll talk about, we've got a lightning round. And we're going to talk a little bit about game week nine captains as well. All right, we're back. Part two, lightning round and game week nine discussion. So game week nine kicks off on Friday. Always, always fun, but always yeah. good to remind everybody as well yeah. that we have a Friday kickoff. It's Arsenal hosting Aston Villa. I don't know what kind of Villa we're going to see now. I don't know what happens to a team when they score, uh, when the other team scores three goals against them, uh, like yeah. a match that feels like a real heartbreaker. So yeah, that is a classic Adam Sandler gif. You blew it. Yeah. And Arsenal, they're in a weird spot cause it's the rare Monday match Friday match, you know, it's mm. kind of odd, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. Right from Monday to Friday. So I don't know if that, yeah, well, when you're a, when you're a scrub or... mid table club that doesn't play in Europe, it doesn't matter. I know, not even the Europa Conference League Arsenal. Come on, interact <laughs> together, guys. Um, so, and then we got another weird one because Chelsea, and this uh, this actually leads right into our captain discussion: Lukaku versus Salah. Is there anyone else even worth considering? I'll say that first. Anyone else you'd consider between those two? Well, I guess like real talk, no, there isn't anyone else I would consider. Uh... Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can. <laughs> 
I, I'm just nope. looking. No, yeah, I don't have nope. anybody else I consider either. I mean, uh, you know, maybe Jimenez at Leeds, if you want to be like crazy, or even Rafinha. Now that he's had his rest, he's incredible yeah, form. But it, it's it's just kind of it's just kind of exactly that crazy. Even like City away at Brighton, like, uh, I'm like, uh, I know that could totally be like a one nil or something, right? Like mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like a. It feels like, a, like it could be a tough match for them. I mean, yeah. Brighton have sort of, ever since we kind of got on Sanchez, like Brighton have have secretly done like a, a reasonable job, right? Yeah. Like I think they now have what? Uh, I mean, four clean sheets and eight. It's really not yeah. bad for a four point five million. Yeah, keeper, it's great. You know, it's great. Too consecutive. It's it just you just wish he maybe he'll finally get. You know, what's finally going to happen is he's going to have like seven saves, and they're going to yeah. concede four goals, and so it's it's going to be like exactly. You know he's going to get six or two, just six or two all season. So um, I, the yeah. the real so the real debate then is if it's Salah or Lukaku, everyone this week is going to be saying, "Well, Salah is just set and forget." Even and I don't even want to say even though it's Manchester United because I don't even know what that means at this point in time yeah. and the form that Salah is in. I mean people. Yeah. Are, legitimately saying this guy is the best footballer on the planet right now. Yeah. And I, I, I think yeah. I tend to agree with that. Statement. I think if he wins the African cup of nations, I think he's got a real Ballon d'Or shot this year. I would love to see it. And I agree it would be deserved. So do you take a guy that is in that scorching hot form and captain him going into old Trafford or a flat track bully playing at home at Stanford bridge in Lukaku, yeah. who clearly knows he needs to score goals. His manager knows he needs to score yeah. goals. This whole Chelsea team needs to score more goals. Yeah. Here's uh, an added yeah. wrinkle, Brandon. Uh-huh. Go on. Uh, it's the, this, they've done this several times this year, which I don't quite get. It's like, I don't know if it's like intended to be a punishment or what, uh, but they are a Wednesday Champions League early Saturday morning kickoff club this time around. Why? Uh, I don't know. So, so they play, they play Malmo at home. So it's not like it's, you know, the hardest match, but, Still, I mean, they they lost away to Juve, so they have to take this match fairly seriously, right? Because they need three points. So they're going to feel a pretty strong team, I would think. Um, and then they play three days later. And it's the first match of the day, which just means there's not a ton of time for turnaround. So I think we can see defensive rotation. I don't think it affects Lukaku. I mean, I, I said this to start of the pot. I think he'll start off three of these matches. But, you know, maybe he gets pulled off early. Uh, maybe they're just like, depending on how that match goes. I mean, it could go, it could flip the other way too, right? Like if they, um, beat Malmo six, one or six nil or something like that. And he gets off in the 58th minute, yeah. then that, that changes the the conversation a little bit. And he, yeah. maybe he picks up a couple goals or something like that. So I, I think that's true. This conversation is a little incomplete until we see the midweek uh, uh, Champions League matches. And as far as Salah is concerned, they have an even, they have a tough match on the road to Atletico Madrid, yeah. uh, and that. But they do play on on Tuesday, so they have a little bit more yeah. time to rest. So we'll just see what happens there. It's uh, it's uh-huh. it's such a classic. I love it. I mean, I love I love how tricky it's going to be because you have. The do you want the somewhat out of form player in the best match, but it's the uh-huh. first match of the weekend, or do you want the informed player playing away and what's going to be a very tough match in the last match of the weekend? Yeah, I mean, we, I know what the appealing option there is. is sure. It's it's Salah. Sure. So yeah. the conversation is going to go like from there and back again. It's going to go all the way to you don't have the guts to not captain Lukaku home Norwich. 
And it's going to go beyond that to like, actually, you don't have the guts to captain Lukaku in that match. And we're all going so to true. feel like we're going to play it already, safe on Salah. We're already going there. I feel like you've really ca- you've <laughs> captured the meta conversation very well. I think that's exactly how it's going to unfold. So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I at the moment I have the captaincy on on Salah. I just like, I'm just so frustrated by Tuchel not playing any midfielders. Like, it's just like the only way that Salah can get the ball right now is if Kovacic can like thread the needle with a, if Luke, with the a, only way Lukaku can get the ball. Oh, yeah, Lukaku, yeah. of course. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, Salah has the ball all the time. But yeah, the only way <laughs> Lukaku gets the ball is if, you know, like a perfect pass is threaded through. I mean, otherwise, it's yeah. like, you know, these, these uh, wingbacks get down there and then they just kind of throw a ball in the mixer. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not a very creative yeah. or interesting style. I mean, clearly it's working They're top of the table. So no complaints, but um, yeah, we yeah. just, they just wait Fantasy until some full fullback gets a rebound and just rams it into the net. That's yeah, pretty much like how unmarked, <laughs> unmarked Ben Chilwell, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's say, um, I mean, this is like a s- slight pivot because I think you're right though. It's, it's a hard one to answer. And I, I'm okay. I mean, I guess just to finish this conversation, I mean, I have it yeah. on Sala, vice captain, Lukaku, who is your captain right now? I haven't flipped. I've got the captain on Lukaku and vice on Sala. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, both are, there's an argument for both. I mean, maybe we should be dipping into stats here as we did early on in the pod and come with some answer. But I mean, I think it just comes down to, um, how, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just comes down to whether you want the former fixtures, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. normally I'm a fixtures guy, but man, I, I, don't know, I just saw, I've just seen Chelsea play two really pretty straightforward and easy matches and yeah and, and Lukaku barely you know barely touched yeah. the ball and not not to continue beating a dead horse about Manchester United but we haven't talked about how their defense looked without Varane and Maguire coming out uh, coming yeah. back from injury too <clears> soon <throat> Juan Basaka I don't know if if AWB was rattled by getting lectured by Ronaldo, but um, he was completely out to lunch on a couple yeah. of those Leicester yeah. goals. So uh, just based on the defensive performance alone, um, and I can't even blame OGS for this, uh, I feel like Salah becomes, like that's a point in the Salah column. Yeah, uh, I think there's, exactly. I mean, I think the watching them concede four is maybe feel a little bit better about it. Just seeing how good Salah's playing right now. It just, it's hard for me to imagine him blanking in that match, I guess, is what it comes down to. And somewhat easier for me to imagine Lukaku blanking. I think that's what it comes down to for yeah. me, really. Yeah. Um, as far as transfers go, um, I've talked a little bit about my my thought process. It's going to be a defender. It's going to be at least a defender. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I probably will be dropping Ronaldo as well. I'm not it doesn't have to be him. Like I could, I could see myself like one other move that I could consider would actually be going SAR to Embuemo and mm-hmm. I could move, um, that would free up enough money for me to move. Um, like if, like Rudiger was still out, then I could just go from Rudiger to, um, Cancelo or Diaz pretty easily. Yeah. Another option. Yeah, for me, game week eight was a good week and just giving me confidence in my wild card, even though I don't have as yet a a really high score. I think my defense was really resilient. Even though Diaz didn't start, I was able to get three clean sheets, uh, including my goalkeeper and uh, everybody on my bench was playing. So I I feel like I don't need to make any moves for a while in my defense so that 
leads me to my midfield. And I thought our conversation about 6.5 and below midfielders was interesting and lots of good options there. But uh, it just doesn't feel like the exact week I would want to move on in Bumo if I if I were to do that. I will start uh, Ivan Tony against Leicester, but uh, I think I'm going to stick with Rafinha, Ben Rama, and uh, Salah. I think I'm thinking of playing a four three three again and putting Saka on the bench, home Aston Villa. I don't know why I would play Saka. I don't do I know why Saka over or Ben Rama over Saka. You got home Spurs for Ben Rama or home Villa. I guess I need to see how um, Arsenal yeah. actually look against yeah. Palace. Yeah, I don't like that that quick turnaround time either. Monday to Friday, that yeah. feels weird to me. I don't know. I'd probably do the same thing. Right? I mean, Ben Rama's probably on on his way out eventually, right? Or yeah, yeah. I out. think, and I think of of the midfielders, Ben Rama would be the guy who would make way for the cheaper in Bumo as. And I need to yeah. find like point five to do an upgrade. Uh, if I do hokey cokey with Lukaku to Kane come game week twelve, that's where yeah. I'll get the cash. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, final bonus lightning round question, Brandon. Uh, Jason Bechervay says, in the spirit of making fantasy fun again, if FPL was more like whose line is it anyway, everything's made up and the points don't matter. That was a great show, especially the, the old version of it, not the newer mm-hmm. version of the classic version. Uh, and points were solely based on how fun a player is. What would your squads look like? Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to name a full 11 here, but Brandon, who are a couple of players that you would have in your squad if it was just... You know, I just want to root for this player every week. Oh, I would have like 15 Allen St. Maximins uh, <laughs> yeah, for true. sure. He's the, yeah, that's a good answer. I that's mean, great. that guy is just elite in terms of, of uh, making the sport fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like he feels like he's just playing a different game than anybody else. And you, you, you were kind of saying something simple, similar about Connor Gallagher earlier. Just the way um, he sort of runs runs the match and and plays with that, that high level of energy and anybody with uh, like going back to the same maximum, I think of, of Zaha and crystal palace as well. Anyone who yeah. like, you can just see the creative juices. Yeah. just like flowing Ruf- whenever Rafinha, they get them. Rafinha fits yeah. in that category. Right. Yep. Yeah. 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 So we're, I guess we're like uh, looking at fast athletic um, yeah. players who are, who are very direct. Yeah, I do love it. I also love a set piece. Like uh, I've always loved the Dimitri Payet type. So mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, Bruno probably falls in that category a little bit too. Or, yeah, right. You know, he doesn't, I, I wouldn't call him necessarily fast. Or, he's not particularly fast or athletic, but he's a great, he's a great player. And he's, you know, certainly very creative and, and great on a set piece. Um, yeah, if I wanted to name like one more player. Emmy I, Martinez, like now that he is full uh, on yes, in the taunting yes, the opposition so and the that, opposition fans phase of his that career. Copa, that Copa America <laughs> win just like to- changed everything for him. Didn't yeah. It? It's, it's yeah. Um, yeah, Mo Salah. I mean, you know, to name an early obvious one. Um, and to name one that's less obvious, let's go with... Wow, I'm like I'm suddenly like I'm blanking here. Well, um, I mean, I yeah. I have loved the uh, international response to Huang on Wolverhampton, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a good one. New character in the league, uh, who's clearly awesome, and ev- just like everyone seems to uh, be happy when yep. he does well. So I, I'll I'll throw my hat in the ring for him. 
That sounds good. And I'll, I'll throw Danny Ings in there too. I just like watching him play. I feel like he's sort of, mm-hmm. he's, I mean, maybe it's cause I like feel bad about all the injuries that he's battled over the years, you know? And so it's sort of like, it's like any minutes we get from him, you know, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like a gift. Uh, I mean, him, <laughs> you know, Jimenez falls in that category for me too. I mean, I just, you yeah. know, like it's, it's, I guess it's just like a little like kind of emotional connection because these players are both bad. I mean, obviously in Jimenez's case, it was even more severe, but um, I mean, he's just, I, I find I, even, even before the injury, I've always found Jimenez just to be a really easy player to root for. It's just been about his style and personality on the pitch. Absolutely. It just feels like he's a, he just seems like a fun, like a fun teammate to have or something. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's like so yeah we just pick like some of the best players in the game and uh, that's the ones we like to watch. Um, all right, well that on that note, let's end the pod. Good luck to everybody this week. A reminder: this is the Friday kickoff, so make sure you get those transfers in before the deadline. Uh, if you want to support the pod, go to Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating and say thank you. You got two weeks to get in before that, before the the cutoff for the next um, uh, Dean's List contest ends. Uh, Brendan, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yeah, big thanks to our producers. It's all possible with you. Thank you, Mike DePietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T. The Big Gaffer. Bob Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Kerry Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Sam Shower, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Morjoria, Ron Frosk, AJ, Jeremy Spiker, Lazarus Yanois, Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Caleb Robbie, Todd Byerly, Alper Paxoy, Martin Osbeth, Lee Hickman, Valger Paulson Kruger, Jazz Binning, Francis Moore, managed by Lasso and James Keatley. Never miss an episode of Always Cheating by Ray, by uh, subscribing. You you will miss an episode if you just rate us and don't <laughs> subscribe. But while you're at it. Also give us a rating, a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. That helps the pod a lot. Follow us on Twitter at Hail Cheaters, wherever you get your social media. Email HailCheaters at gmail.com. Visit our website, alwayscheating.com, for all this and more, including a link to the Always Cheating Super League, the superest of leagues. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It, it, it is the we, we named it, and we, we stand by that name. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.